Have you ever heard someone say, God bless you? Have you ever thought about what that actually means? In today's episode of Unanswered Questions, Tim is going to trace the context of the phrase throughout the Old and New Testament. And today we want to answer the questions from a canonical standpoint of what this actually means and how this applies to our church and families today. God bless you. You've heard that before. How many times? Or the Lord bless you. Uh, You've said it. Maybe you even said it this morning uh, as you spoke to a friend uh, at worship or at work. It's a very familiar word in our prayer times. God bless the missionaries. God bless my family. God bless my children. Uh, Bless the missionaries around the world. Um, What do we mean? And more importantly, what does the Bible mean? When Jesus said, blessed are those who show mercy, for they shall obtain mercy, what did he mean? What did he mean in Luke 6, uh, 38 and following, when he said to love our enemies and to bless those who persecute us? What does that mean? Uh, When uh, Moses gave instructions to Aaron, the high priest, about how to bless the people, he said, the Lord bless you and protect you or keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What does that mean? Uh, Perhaps it would be a good moment uh, in your schedule today to have a few minutes to think about what blessing actually means. And at the end of this particular podcast, I'd like to give you some practical suggestions as to how you may use God's blessing in a way that is helpful to your family, helpful to your children, and you can use it in an informative or informed way. So the topic is, what does it mean for God to bless us or for us to say, God bless you? Uh, As someone recently said to me, it's what we say to someone after they sneeze really loud. I'm not sure I can back back that up with any portion of scripture, and I'm sure I'm not going to even touch it today because I have no idea why we do that. But let's think about the word blessing, and why not begin right where the very first uh, occasion for blessed to occur in the scriptures. It begins in Genesis 1, verse 20 to 23, and then secondly, we see it again used in chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. And the 20 to 23 has to do with God blessing the creatures of the sea. So let's get started. God said, let the waters swarm with living things, and let birds fly above the earth up in the dome of the sky. God created the great sea animals. Notice, he calls them animals, sea animals. And all the tiny living things that swarm or teem in the water, each according to its kind, and all the winged birds according to its kind. God saw how good it was, tov and beneficial. Now, he is telling us here by the word good, that this is beneficial for mankind. One day, after uh, men and women are created, they will be able to utilize the fish of the sea for their diet. And then God blessed them. Now, blessed what? He blessed the birds, the creatures in the sea, and the creatures in the sky, and the creatures on land. He blessed them, and he said, be fruitful, be fertile and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So let's pause for a minute. What did, what did God mean by bless? Well, blessing here means potency to reproduce, the power to reproduce after our kind. So when he blesses the birds, they're going to reproduce after their kind. And guess what? 
We've often wondered where in the world do birds go to learn how to build a nest? What school is there to uh, pick up the art of nest building? Why do robins make nests, for example, out of mud? And yet Baltimore Orioles, they produce a nest that looks very much like a sock. Where did they go to school? Well, the blessing of God gives them this innate ability to know exactly what it is they need to do to build a nest. And then when male and female get together, the end result of that is eggs. And then what is it about the female and the male that causes them to sit on the eggs? I mean, we don't sit on our babies, for goodness sake. That would be quite the, the show. <laughs> I can imagine a child asking his mother, Mom, why are you sitting on that baby? Well, in this case, uh, a hen, a chicken hen, or a, a turkey, or an eagle, or a vulture, a sparrow, uh, a cardinal... They instinctively lay on those eggs for a certain period of time, incubating the eggs, and then the eggs break. Same is true with mammals and their reproductive habits, and the same is true with fish of the sea. They, they spew out all of these eggs, and then a male comes along and germinates them. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Where did they get this? Well, this is the blessing of God. The explanation for why animals, birds, and fish reproduce is that God has blessed them with this potency to reproduce. Well, then we come to uh, verse 24, and God says, and again, listen for the word bless. Let the land produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, wildlife. That's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, every kind of creature that crawls on the ground. And again, he saw that it was good. It's, it, that is, it's beneficial and helpful. To what? Well, to humanity, because God eventually will allow all these living creatures uh, to become part of man's diet. And then God said, let's make humanity, not according to its kind, which is strictly for birds and animals and fish, but humans, let's make humanity in our image, notice it's plural, not my image, to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish, of the sea, birds in the sky, livestock, all the earth, all the crawling things. God created humanity in his own image. In the divine image, he created them, male, not, or female, but male and female together as a unit. God created them. So the image of God is male and female combined. God blessed them. Verse 28. That's the second time it's been used in Genesis 1. God blessed them and said, he spoke, what do you think he's going to say? Same thing he said to the earlier creatures. Be fruitful, be fertile, multiply, fill the earth, dominate it, take charge of the fists of the sea, birds in the air, and everything crawling on the ground. So, what have we heard? We've heard blessing twice. We've heard God speaking a blessing over sea life and human life and land life. So what does bless mean? It means to be filled with the potency of life, which means when God gives the animal kingdom and the human kingdom potency of life, they are overcoming defeat and death. They are being made to be procreative, to have progeny according to either the image of God 
or according to their kind, despite death. So if we want to ask the question, God, what do you mean by bless? It means at this stage, it's not the only stage, but at this stage, it's the potency to have life, for humans to reproduce after their kind. And God made us that way. He made us our plumbing that way. He made the plumbing of a male and the plumbing of a female to match. And as a result of the love of man and woman together in marriage, we end up with Angelinas. We end up with these babies. We end up with these Theotovas. We end up with little uh, Eliza uh, and many of the little girls that you know in your own life. But there's some other nuances, and so I want to move on in the same book. We looked at first the case of God blessing his creation, potency of life. Now let's look at the case of Melchizedek and Abram in Genesis 14, 17 through 20. I'll read. Listen for the word blessed. After Abram returned from defeating Kedor Laomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram in the valley of Shaveh, known as the Valley of the Kings. Melchizedek, Melech is king, Sadiq is righteousness, Melchizedek, king of Salem, or peace, that same word is used of the word of Jerusalem, Melchizedek, king of Salem, or Shalom, brought out bread, something to eat, and wine, something to drink. Now, he, Melchizedek, was priest of the Most High God. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth. Worthy of praise is the Most High God who delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram gave Melchizedek, the priest, a tenth of everything. That is everything from the spoils of the battle. So we're looking at the case of Melchizedek. He is a priest king of the Most High God, and he mediates God's blessing to God's covenant partner, Abram. What does he mediate? If he mediates blessing, what does that mean? He mediates potency and power and protection by placing God's name on Abram. Uh, for the rest of his life, Abram, because of the blessing of a priest, will enjoy the power to reproduce and to be protected by his enemies, from his enemies, and the potency of life. So three Ps are things you might want to keep in mind to understand what it means to bless somebody. Potency, power, and protection. And I made a phrase, or I used a phrase that may have piqued your interest, and I want to unpack it just for a moment. Uh, I suggest, based on the text that we will see from Numbers chapter 6, where the blessing is given, that God was placing his name, or that Melchizedek was placing God's name on Abram, and Abram, therefore, was not to take that name in vain wherever he went. He was now God's representative, living in the land of promise, but as God's representative. Uh, how do I know, how do we know, how can I be assured that when I bless someone or God blesses me that he's putting his name on me or we are putting God's name on somebody with a blessing? Well, uh, again, Melchizedek was 
referred to explicitly as a priest, a priest king, and under the law of Moses, which comes later, the priests in Aaron's family line were the ones to confer the blessing on God's people and do that, and by, and by placing the blessing on them, he was placing his name. Let's read the words of number 6, chapter 22, verses uh, 22 to 27. Listen for the word blessing, and then at the end, keep your ear peeled or your ear tuned to the word name. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his boys, his sons, This is the way you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. Notice, instead of God turning his back on people so they would live in darkness, God makes his face to shine on them and to be gracious to them. Listen to that. To, to confer grace to you, that potency. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, peace, in the midst of your enemies. You see the protection. And so in this way, they, Aaron and his sons, the priests, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So Moses is explaining to Aaron and his sons that the blessing is not simply a pack of words that someone speaks. The blessing is a covering. It's a covering over the people until the next time they meet up together. And that covering is the name of Yahweh. Not the word God, but God's covenant name, Yahweh, the covenant name of God. And so this is why later in one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, There is a prohibition not to take or carry God's name in vain. We know this is the meaning of this phrase. is because uh, we are told that Aaron, the high priest, was to carry the names of the tribes of Israel on his chest when he went once a year into the Holy of Holies to find and seek forgiveness and atonement for the sins of the nation of Israel. The same word is used. Aaron is to carry the Lord's name, or to take the Lord's name, or to take Israel's name, the 12 tribes' names, on his chest, and he becomes the representative for the entire nation of Israel. So when we uh, go about our day-to-day lives at work, on the road, at home, we have God's name on us. We are his representatives, We are to go places where we are the representative of Jesus Christ. We represent his agenda, his holiness, his values, his character. We represent what God and his kingdom stand for. So we don't live like pagans, and we don't associate with people who live lives to contradict the holy name of God. So by carrying the Lord's name on our lives, we become his representatives wherever it is that we go, and whatever conversation we join, we got, we represent God because his name is on us. Now, with the coming of Christ, after his death and resurrection, as our high priest, at the end of Luke chapter 24, the second last verse, it says that he led them outside of Jerusalem and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them and then he departed for or it was taken up into heaven. So why was he doing that? Well, he was gone. 
He would no longer be with them, but his name would stay with them. His name would stay on them for the remainder of their life on earth until they too met Christ in glory. So God was placing the name, his own name, Jesus' name, on his disciples as he uh, left to depart. Now, how do we know this was true? Because in the very next book that Luke wrote, we call it the Acts, volume 2 of Luke, everything that the apostles do, you know what they do it in? They do it in the name of Jesus. For example, chapter 3 of Acts, verses 1 through 10, Paul, excuse me, Peter and John go to the temple at the time of prayer. They meet a beggar who's uh, lame from his mother's womb. And they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Did you hear that? See, they carried the name of Jesus on them, and now they have the authority of Jesus' name to bring healing to the life of this beggar, to bring healing to his legs, to his uh, paralyzed legs, paralyzed from his mother's womb. It's not their power. It's the potency that they used because Jesus left his name on them when he blessed them. So let's talk about some practical things uh, in your own particular family. Um, Given the fact that when there's a greeting or a departure in the Bible, when someone is leaving, someone saying goodbye, there's going to be a time gap between next time we see that person. Like, for example, Jacob, as he was about to die, Genesis 49, what does he do? He brings all his boys, all 12 of them, and he blesses each one of them. Why? Because he's about to what? Depart. When Jesus was about to depart, Luke 24, what did he do? He blessed his children, his apostles, and the people there, and they carried on his work. So what are the occasions when you are being separated from the people in your family? Well, they may be taking a trip. A son may be going off to school or off to work. What you as uh, a father or a mother might do for them, whether they're young, going to school for the day, is you might pray a prayer of blessing over them. You may want to lift your hands over them and bless them using one of the many blessings that you can find in the New Testament. Paul has written a number of blessings. I've counted about 12 of them. If you go to the end of his epistles, uh, you'll find that he blesses all of his spiritual children in those letters. He, he concludes the letter with a blessing. So I memorized all those blessings, and I used all of them to bless our children at night, either when they were his baby or even when they were bigger and got into a bigger bed. And I had about 12 or 13 that I had memorized, and so I let them choose whatever blessing they wanted. Say, what do you want, number one? Do you want number two, number three? And so they'd choose, and I would lift my hands over them, and I would bless them. So what was I doing? Well, they were departing from me for a while into sleep. And you know how little kids are. I mean, kids are prone to having uh, scary dreams. Uh, Sometimes they're scared of the dark, right? Uh, If they're not scared of the dark, they're scared of creepy noises. Maybe they're scared of somebody in the closet or somebody under the bed, Maybe they watched a TV show that was scary. Uh, Maybe they heard a story that scared them at school. So, you know, kids have fears all the time, and they're just normal. That's just part of growing up. So 
as a way of protecting them from fear, as a way of protecting them from the boogeyman, <laughs> that guy in the closet. And, and I don't remember ever my boys being scared of anybody in the closet, but uh, I would lift my hands and I would bless them. And that went on for years and years and years until they could do it for themselves. So this is a practical way that you can utilize the blessing of God, is to use it on your children. Start when they're young. Get them used to it. Get them used to seeing you, their dad, their mom, or grandparent, grandfather, grandmother, aunt, or uncle, or even an older brother or older sister. Instead of the last thing they hear is somebody cursing them, somebody yelling at them, which would not be a favorable thing for a child to remember as they drift off to sleep. But imagine the memory they have for years after year after year is a father and a mother who what? Conferred God's blessing on them, God's protection on them. So explain to them what it is that you're doing. Mom, what, why are you doing this? Dad, why do you always have this blessing over us? Well, you can take them to number six, chapter 22, 26, and just read it. As the scripture concludes there in verse 26, this is the way you will place God's name on them. And so that name covers your children, the name which is above every name. The name of Jesus now covers them. What better thing could they have to go to bed <coughs> as they go off into dream world and into sleep world? After a busy, crazy day at school and in the backyard and in the neighborhood, they they conclude their day with a, a symbol of blessing. And whenever our family gets together and then we have to say goodbye, just like happened a couple of weeks ago at our Christmas holiday, regardless of how old they are, we gather in a circle, a big circle, and we hold hands and I pronounce a prayer and a blessing over them. And now uh, the one son that I do have, he does the same thing with his three girls at night to give them a sense of security and protection from both the Lord as well as from mom and dad. So they don't go to bed fearful and scared and wondering what's going to happen. And it became a habit, and it greatly gave them a great sense of confidence when they left our home. They left confident sons, confident children. And, you know, that's not too bad of a thing when you think about it. We're sending your children off into a big, bad world, and if they're confident kids because of how they've been nurtured, uh, it will do them well. It will stand them well when they go through life and are faced with challenges and responsibilities. Well, I think I've said enough. Maybe I've said too many, too many things, but hopefully you remember that blessing of God is three Ps, the triple play. It's potency, power, and protection. God bless people. Priests bless people like Melchizedek. And then, of course, we see Jesus blessing his disciples uh, even to bless our enemies. And I'm suggesting, like Jesus did when he departed from his disciples in Luke 24, that we bless people when we are saying goodbye to them in some way, shape, or form. A trip, sleep, or some other way as well. Today, if you'll permit me, uh, I guess even if you pr don't permit me, I'm going to end with a blessing, but a different one from number six, which, of course, is uh, very well known. Let me conclude with the last verse of Second Corinthians it's the last verse of chapter 13, and it's a very easy one. Perhaps it's the easiest one to memorize because it's Trinitarian. And uh, if it's easy to memorize, maybe this is where you ought to maybe start. Um, and now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all until we meet again. So there's Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. It's Trinitarian. It covers all the bases. In my judgment, it's a home run. Thanks for listening.